Today, we are going to talk about worship, and uh, we've got multiple different points, and we're going to go back into worship and come back into teaching and back into worship and back into teaching. And here's what I've learned about worship. Worship is a style, and it is currently a culture that the modern-day Christianity has become part of. 300 years ago, worship wasn't cool, and now it's cool. We've got worship leaders with skinny jeans and their holes on. They wear their flip-flops, and, and they've got their hair dyed, and they're like, there's like a trend of worship, and it's kind of crazy. Uh, when I think about worship, there are, when I go to other churches, and definitely if you're a musician, if you've been in scenarios where you've heard music at all, you can tune out worship based on whether or not it's your cup of tea or not. And so what I've learned, this is actually the way it is with everything, with church and, and history. And I was thinking about years gone by and how, how if we were to play the Gaither vocal band right now, some people would be like, oh, man, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Man, he is moving. And some people, if we played like Skillet, they'd be like, that's my jam right there. You know, we got Disciple going or something like that. There'd be people like, yeah, man, Jesus is here. And uh, what I realized is it's not any of that. You know, it's not them. Uh, but, you know, what I do know is that with the culture of music paving the way, um, there is something to be said about excellence. How do I know? Because whether or not this is your favorite worship band or there's another, if I was to lead worship for you today, chances are highly likely that you would not appreciate it as much as if Rachel led it. Can I get an amen? amen. So there's something to be said about excellence with worship, but... I do know that, that there is something powerful about music coupled with worship. Now, I know this because even as far back in the scriptures as we can go, we know that in heaven there was worship even before we existed. Uh, Lucifer was part of, he, he was a musician in heaven, and he has manipulated music. I mean, music is a massive cultural drive to send messages to children and to young adults, and I mean, it really transforms what they're about. In scripture, though, we can see in 1 Samuel chapter 16, there's a scenario where the, there was a king, his name was Saul, and King Saul had said that he was struggling with evil spirits in his life. He was overwhelmed with 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 thoughts and bad, just filth, and it was like he was angry, and he was frustrated, and he was overwhelmed, and they called for this little boy named David to come and play the harp for him, and David knew how to worship the Lord. He learned how to do this on the backside of a mountain watching sheep, just singing out to the Lord, and something would happen as David would play his harp that the scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 16 that the spirits would leave Saul as worship happened. I want to let you know that today, it's a strategy of ours to find the best musicians that we can because I know that this same thing is happening in our lives. In that, there's depression, there's frustration, there's anxiety, there could be fear, and something wonderful happens as other people enter into worship stronger than us. It breaks things up. It breaks things up in the room, and so I am expecting today that there to be for, for there to be... <laughs> Since you robbed me of for, my stage time for today, there, for there to I be, thought uh, I would uh, join you for this. This is Brady. Big Brady. <laughs> um, I agree with everything he's saying. Um, I would like to tell you guys about my experience with uh, music. Uh, when I was younger, my sister was learning how to play the piano. 
and I, I had an ear for music, but I didn't really like music so much. Um, I just didn't want to get involved with it so much. But she would play the piano, and she would mess up a lot. <laughs> and if you have an ear for music and you hear someone constantly messing up, it, it's like a... I don't know. I don't even know. It, it, it annoyed me so much. And so I developed like this, uh, this attitude towards music. <laughs> Anytime it was on, I'd be like, no, nah, I don't listen to that. That's stupid. Music's stupid. Um, and I hit my early, uh, my early, like I'd say probably um, middle high school area. And I had a girl that I liked, and she liked music. And that kind of changed my tune a little bit. Um, but it was for the wrong reason, right? So. Um, I started getting into it, and then I realized just how powerful it can be. Um, and she really liked worship music and stuff, and it, 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 was, it was good for me to get reintroduced to it the right way, uh, even though it was for the wrong reason. I started to worship God. Um, but even then, I feel like sometimes um, we come into a worship service and we don't enter in. You know what I mean? It's hard for us to connect. Um, before, before we were doing this sermon, I... I pulled some of the staff and asked them what, what worship means to them. And uh, some of them responded and said, one of them said, uh, talked about how music is so powerful, just like Tim was saying. Uh, and if we let it, it can break down our walls. And I thought that was really interesting because it's true for me. It, it helped me. It helped break down a lot of walls, a lot of things that were going on in my life. And I, I really let it affect me um, in the right way. Um, and I just, I, I thought, wow, that's, that's really interesting. So I, I began to, to enjoy music and enjoy worship. Um, and I really want you guys to have that same sense, but also be able to enter in, be able to connect and engage with God in worship. Um, and part of that is, is for the reason, I, our, our second point, it deals with the idea of abandonment. And part of worship is this abandonment of yourself. And not necessarily just... Um, giving up your ideas or your, uh, your will, it's this idea of surrender. You're surrendering everything you are to him. And uh, it reminds me of this, the story, uh, it's from Matthew 26, where the woman, Jesus is eating at the Simon the Leper's house. This woman just kind of barges in, takes out this really expensive flask of really expensive perfume. Um, I forget how much they said it was, but it was... A, a lot of wages for back then. And she proceeds to break it over him and anoint him. And they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. We could have sold that. We could have taken that and sold it and fed poor and, and done a lot of good work with it. And Jesus was like, nope. This is her sacrifice. This is, she gave something she gave and, and anointed him before his burial. And so sometimes I feel like we have the wrong concept of that, if if it's if it's about surrender, if it's about sacrifice, we're really giving up ourselves. We're laying ourselves at His feet. Um, one of our one of our staff members said this too that that they look at it as surrender. It's surrender is a huge part of it. And I also see um, another p part of worship that a lot of people don't think about is giving, um, and it's giving. It's one of our goals that we've had for since the beginning of this church, giving with generosity. Um, when you tithe, when you give offerings to people, that's worship. You're worshiping. You're worshiping God by giving because it's surrender and it's sacrifice. It's, uh, it's taking away from you. It's giving to someone else. But he gets the glory, and that's the most important part. Yeah, I think about that, that story with the woman 
breaking that flask and how she's abandoning herself. And, and what I've realized is that as you, you have an option today. So as, as they play, a lot of like the worry and the anxiety and the stress is going to go down. And you have a choice then whether you're going to enter in or not. And uh, you don't have to, but you're here. Like, I think inside all of us, God has put a desire to know God. And so if you're here right now, then press in. And when I say press in, it means like not in this room and not necessarily up front, but if you want to come up front, you can. What I'm talking about is in this story, Jesus is sitting with other disciples, okay? And this woman comes in with this great sacrifice that she wants to give to Jesus. And she breaks it at his feet, and it, it bothers the religiosity inside everyone else in the room. Like, there's a way that we're supposed to worship, and this chick's breaking all the rules. Like, she's not doing it right. It was our time. It was our turn. And she's like, no, I got to get to Jesus, no matter the cost. Like, I'm here. I'm, I, want, I want all of him. I want everything that he has for me. If you're going to worship, there's something about understanding the concept of surrender. If you're going to stand in front of the Lord, you're going to have to recognize that he is bigger than you and you want what he has for you. And uh, your, yourself isn't as big when you're in his presence. And so if you can puff yourself down and recognize that you're in the presence of something bigger than you, you're now worshiping and you're submitting and you're surrendering and you're letting go. And with that being said, would you, would you start that? Have all you guys, uh, Father, we, we got more teaching coming. As we play music, what I'm asking is that we would come to a place in this captured time of surrender and abandon ourselves and say, God, I don't know what you want to do in my life, but I, um, I want to know you. I submit myself to you and I want you to have your way here. Lord, teach us. Teach us how to lay it all down. Today, church, surrender. Surrender. I forgot a couple things that I was supposed to say because I get excited. And so this is going to be a couple minutes longer than I thought. One, I want to make sure you understand that worship is not the objective. Like, music is not the objective, right? It's just... It's a, it's a vehicle to get to God. Sometimes I've been in months of seasons where as a pastor, it's terrible to say this, but I don't know what to pray. And it's so in those moments, it's cool that someone else penned a prayer and wrote it down. And those prayers, I, I find strength in. Does that make sense? Okay. How do you worship was part of abandonment. I'm going to go back to point number two for just a second. How, how do you worship? Um... When you abandon yourself, there are some things that the scripture says you should do. One, it says you should lift your hands. Now, there's some people in this room that you're like, I don't, that's not me, and that's not how God moves on me. And I think, I want you to, I want to understand, as your pastor, awesome, I'm so glad you know who you are, but <clears throat> it's like there's times um, in the bottom ninth of of inning of, of a baseball game, there's and you got your best hitter up to bat, but there's a guy on third base or a guy on second, and you got no outs. You need your best hitter to probably hit the ball as hard as you can, but you really need someone that can bunt at this point. I don't really need you to hit hard. I just need you to get the guy to go to third. 
I know that you know how God moves on you, but I also know that sometimes you've got to go after God in a different way. Here's what I mean by that. If I only take my wife to the same restaurant every time we go on a date, it won't stir anything new. Sometimes you have to learn how to stir yourself to go after God, to invoke new feelings of intimacy. You have to say things different. You have to write cards different. You have to bring home different flowers. You have to do things differently than you have done before to create newness in your relationship. Does that make sense? So I know you don't like to raise your hands, but so what? And I know that you don't like people to look at you, but so what? That's the purpose of water baptism, because I want people to look at you. I want people to go, that guy is committing his life to Jesus. That's what this says. Then the scripture says, sometimes you kneel. I love that I just saw someone sacrificing their knees on our hard floor over here. Uh, but uh, the, sometimes you kneel. This is what the scripture says. Sometimes you lay prostrate before the Lord. You, you lay face down. Oh my God, you're crazy awesome and I am a dog with fleas. You're great. Sometimes the scripture says you shout unto the Lord. Um, now, I know that in our church, we don't do these things very often, but it's biblical. If, if you're drawing attention to yourself, I'll come and tell you. But in this church, I would rather us practice what we're not good at than ever, like, like we've got to get there before we mess it up. Like, mess up, fall down, I don't care. Draw a little bit of attention to yourself. Maybe it'd be good in our church to do that. There's some things that the scripture says. David said he, t he took his clothes off and ran around the church. No. no, we're not doing that today? All right, so. That's where we draw the line. So we'll have ushers come um, for that. Um, maybe, just our shirt now. Okay, here. Uh, but, but honestly, uh, David said, I, I must become even more undignified than this. And I know that in times that my heart is at its greatest excitement, I'm undignified. When I'm watching football, I can get undignified. When I fell in love with my wife, I was undignified. And I want you to be abandoned in your pursuit of God. So you may have to stir yourself a little bit. Okay, that's, that, I, that was supposed to say that last time. Here we go. Point number three is lifestyle. So worship is, let me make sure that it's clear, we're talking about what is worship, and I'm, I'm asking you to raise your hands and sing a song, but that's not worship. It's part of worship, it's not worship. Worship is when you worship God, when your life says, I want that guy, that's worship. And so there's this story where Jesus is having this conversation with this woman, and it's a wonderful conversation because Jesus went out of his way to meet with someone who felt like they didn't deserve God. You got to get that. I think the people that can get the highest visit from God are the people that feel today that you suck. If you feel like you suck, you're a great candidate for a move of God today. Jesus went out of his way to meet with this girl, and he did it at this well. And he met with her, and she had this understanding that it, um, she loves God, but you know she can't always get to where God is because he's in Jerusalem. And Jesus is like, oh, man, that's, that's not how it works anymore you got to read this story. It's, it's fantastic. I don't have time to take you there. You just got to understand. Jesus is like, that's not how it works. He says, in fact, 
there's coming a day, and that time is already here, when those that worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. He says that it's, it's, you don't have to go to, some will worship in Jerusalem, and some will worship right here, and some will worship me everywhere. In fact, that's true worship, is when you learn to worship everywhere you go. So here's the question. When your child is vomiting, somehow you're supposed to be like in worship. Like when you're, when someone drives in front of you, uh, you're supposed to somehow find a way to worship the Lord. Like, like this is true worship, that, that, that everything in your life says, yes, Lord, despite what's in front of you, okay? And so what's happening is she starts talking about how like, yeah, like she does love God, and, and he's like, yeah, but uh, let me, I know that your life actually doesn't always love me. Like, you, you've been married, like, five times already, and you're married again to someone else you're not even supposed to be with. And she's like, oh, man, this is terrible. I don't know. I don't know. No, he says, no, 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 you don't understand. I love you. It's okay. I love you. In fact, I love you so much, I want to hang out with you tonight. I want to go to your house, and I want to meet with that guy that you're, that you're currently married to, even though you're not married. I want to be with you. I want to be with you. What he does is he removes all of the shame and every excuse, and he says, I love you despite everything that's going on. I want to be in your life, not in Jerusalem, but everywhere. Everywhere you are, I want to be with you. He said, this is the kind of worshiper the Father is looking for, true worshipers that will worship in spirit and in truth. True worship, Randy, I believe, with all my heart, is, is a lifestyle. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it shows it shows that he wants a relationship with us. He's he's giving. He wants us to reciprocate. So uh, this reminds me when we were talking about this. It reminded me of the the verse in Thessalonians five that talks about um, pray without ceasing. Paul tells us to pray without ceasing, and I I would read that when I was younger, and I'd be like, that's impossible. There's no way. Maybe a pastor can do that. I, Tim, you can do that, right? Yeah. Um. But it, it, it's just, it's all about perspective. So he's in relationship. If we're in relationship with him, he, uh, we had a pastor that used to put it like this. You need to keep the communication lines open. And so if you're worshiping, if you're living a lifestyle of worship and you're, you're constantly listening for him, it doesn't necessarily have to be you talking to him. Praying without ceasing is you're, you're in tune to his spirit and listening to him. Um, one of the other things our staff members said, I'm going to read it for you guys. Uh, they said, um, it doesn't matter where you are. Worship can give perspective on how small we are compared to his might. And it aligns our heart with his. It's not about the duty of praying without ceasing or worshiping him all the time. It's about the relationship. So um, the next point that we have, point number four, is called defined worth. Um, Here's what's funny is our culture, this word worship, I never heard of until I, got, I became a Christian. I, never, I didn't know what worship was. Um, I, I mean, I got it, right? Like, but our culture doesn't recognize the word worship. However, we're worshiping everything going on in our life. So if I had a moment to define what is worship, worship is that thing that we value the most, it's the thing that grabs our attention and our devotion, and we esteem it and desire it and think about it and fantasize about it the most. That's worship. In the Old Testament, let me read you this verse. Um, I don't 
know if I was planning on supposed to do this, but I'm reading to you because it's pretty cool. It's in Exodus. This is part of the Ten Commandments. He says, you must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind of image or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, and I will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Oh, I love that. Because how many things grab our affection, right? Like we've got, uh, it's sports, it's TV, it's fishing. Like I, I was thinking about an idol. Like I don't have, I've never seen an idol anywhere in my life, but I, we all have an idol. We actually put it in the center part of our house, right? And we actually have an altar that goes right underneath it. And, uh, and it's, uh, oh man, it's terrible. Uh, and so it's real. But so in our culture, we do have idols. We just don't like to recognize them. And so we said last week, like the things that grab your attention, it's fine to have other things that you love and hobbies, but find a way to bring Jesus into it. And so what I would say about um, worth today is, is this. I don't care if you love television. I don't care if you love sports or fishing, hunting, clothes, shoes, hair, children, um, whatever it is, like love your family, love your wife, love your kids. Just the greatest commandment is that you would love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Here's my challenge to you as a pastor today. Love God more. So with the same passion that you pursue butterflies, can you love God more. And so if in this opportunity, there's nothing else going on, then make, provoke your heart to be more intentional. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah, that was a good one. I like that a lot. That was good. I got to point something out though. Um, I feel like I got to stand up for this one. I don't know why. Dang, I feel like I got to. <laughs> So, okay, so he's talking about when, uh, when Moses got the commandments, and, and that was one of the commandments. Um, but it reminded me of when, what, what the Israelites were doing while he was getting those commandments, while he was up on the mountain. Um, I get a little emotional. I apologize, but that's who I am. Um, they took the things that God gave them through the Egyptians. And don't make no mistake, God gave that to them. The Egyptians weren't going to part with their gold and their silver and their jewels for, for nothing. They gave it to the Israelites. And Moses goes up to get the commandments, and they make a golden calf. And a crazy miracle for them. Right. Now, we don't have a calf. I don't have any gold laying around that I can melt down into a calf. But I do have a TV. And I give that a lot of my attention sometimes. And that's something we got to think about, like he's, like Tim said. But the, the question I ask is, why did they make a calf? Why did they make an idol for themselves? I've never really thought about it before, why they did it. Um, they didn't have to. They were, I'm sure they were bored. They were waiting. It took a long time. And some of us get bored with, with God sometimes. But the, the, the point I'd like to, to submit to you is... We were created to worship God. Yeah. 
He made us for his glory. He talks about it in Isaiah. I created you for my glory. So if we're, if we're created to worship, then we're going to worship something. We're going to find something to worship. We're going to find a golden calf. And I thought about this, and I, I tried to look at it from like a secular standpoint of someone coming, maybe someone that's newly saved or something, and they say, well, that's kind of arrogant for God to create me just to worship him. And I never thought about that before, but it makes sense if, if, if you've got a worldly mindset that, yeah, that's, it seems kind of arrogant. But I'd like to turn that on its head a little bit and tell you, God is creator. He created us. He created everything that we see. He gave us the tools. He gave us the, the knowledge to, to make things, to do things. If we use created objects, created things, to satisfy our needs and wants, and yet turn our back on the creator, I think that's the ultimate arrogance, guys. Wow. The thing I would say is we don't want to be created beings serving created things. Wow. We want to be people of God serving the creator. He made us to worship him. That's awesome, dude. And he's worthy. Wow. We just had a song that talked about the fact that he is worthy. Holy. So our value should be in him. Like Tim said, he challenged you. Put your value in God. And you'll worship him more. One of the issues is, uh, and it leads to our next point, is some of us just haven't had the experiences, the, the experiences of worship that lead us. We haven't been able to connect to God, or it's been a long time maybe since we did. Um, let me back up real quick. One of the things that the Old Testament, this, this, the thing we're talking about, the golden calf, that's Old Testament, right? So New Testament, um, let me back up again. Old Testament, to worship, to worship means you take your sacrifice to the, to the altar. But it wasn't you. You gave it to the priests. The priests got to go in to the Holy of Holies and, and make atonement. He was the only one that made the sacrifice. Or he, they made the sacrifice, and then he went in and made atonement. There was a veil that covered the door from the, from the yeah. outside into the Holy of Holies. I'm not going to go into all the detail, but it was a huge veil. Um, it talks about in the, in the Gospels when Jesus died, when he sacrificed himself for us, that veil was ripped from top to bottom. There's a significance there that, that we now have unfettered access to God through Jesus. And the experience I think about is in Acts 4 when they were in the upper room. And that's an experience like nothing else. When the, when the Holy Spirit hits for the first time and fills them up, it showed that the veil was torn for sure. They were able to get to God. They didn't have any other way just through Jesus. He's the only mediator they needed. That's it. That's all we need. <clears throat> Y'all don't know how powerful this is about to get. Um, first of all, God's here, and it's cra I mean, I'm like, it's crazy up here right now. I'm super overwhelmed, um, and I, I don't even, even want to, yo, seriously. This is going to be a good day, if it ain't already. Here's what we're going to talk about, just quick, and we're going to go back into some more worship. 
And we got one more teaching room. I know, um, I don't, oh, man. If I touch fire, I know what fire feels like, and then I, I then boast about how crazy fire feels like when I touch it. Does that make sense? Because it's a, it's a radical experience. Some of us have a hard time worshiping God with everything in us because we have forgotten about the experience that we've had. It's been a while. And uh, this is where, um, I, I, sometimes I like to think that I'm Baptocostal because I really like the word and everything. But this is where I feel like it is absolutely imperative that we are Pentecostal in this. If God is alive, he absolutely wants you to have encounters with him. Bottom line. And when we don't have encounters with him, it becomes religion. It becomes theology. It becomes an idea, but there's no relationship. Show me a relationship that you don't want to touch. He wants, he loves us. So there's this passage in scripture in Acts chapter 2. And uh, there's a, a radical touch from God. Jesus says, hey, look, before you go and do your ministry... I want you to wait for my spirit. Some of you haven't ever experienced God's spirit. Some of you have, and some of you, it's been a long time. It's about to get good up in here, yo. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but here's what I know. I know that God loves you more than I love you, bottom line, and I like you. I, I, I like you. I don't always love you, but I, I like you. Um, And they're praying, and they're praying, and I love what's happening because all, all they know, they don't know what's about to happen. All they know is that they're supposed to wait, and that's what they're doing, and they're praying, and they're waiting, and they're praying, and they're waiting, and they're praying. And the, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came like a rushing wind, and, 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 and they began to speak in tongues. They began to speak in other languages. What, what, be, what really was happening is they got so overwhelmed with God that they didn't know words anymore. Basic, that's basically speaking in tongues. Like, I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but basically when you don't have anything else to say and you get so daggone overwhelmed, something happens, and it's crazy, and it's, it's just crazy. It is crazy. That's the bottom line. I'm not asking you to speak in tongues. All I'm asking you to do is make yourself available and abandoned, and I'm, I'm challenging you to get out of yourself and go after God. I think that many of us need an experience from God. It's been a long time since you had one, and I think that he wants to touch you right where you're at. So if it means that you're, you think that you can go after God the best kneeling at your seat or sitting in your chair or standing on your head, then I would encourage you to do that this afternoon. I think that it's important that you go after God. Holy Spirit, I believe you're here right now. And I believe that there's some here that need healing in their bodies. And I just get a sense that your spirit, which is much bigger than we are, is here. And I get a, 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 a there's something in me that believes that our church is currently hunger, hungrier than we've been in a long time. And I think that you're making that happen. We don't, we don't want church to be done at any certain time today. All we know is we want you. Lord, 
Not because of music. Not because of a sermon. But because we want you. Would you come? Would you touch us? And would you renew us? If you're here today and you want prayer, you can come down front. If you don't, you that's awesome. Stay where you're at. All we're asking is that the Holy Spirit comes. More of him, more of him, more of him. Would you guys play? I'm going to ask you guys to stand to your feet. Lord, you're not done yet. Lord, you're not done yet. Lord, you're not done yet. We want to know you. We want to know you. We want to know your voice. We want to know your touch. We want to know you. We want to know you. We want to know you. We need your spirit in our life, God, because I'm not good at loving you. I'm inconsistent, and I'm unfaithful. But you're good at teaching us how to love you. Would you come by the power of your Holy Spirit and remind us that you're good, that you're worthy to be trusted, that you're faithful. There's no one like you. There's no one more powerful. There's no one more wise. There's no one stronger. There's no one more faithful. There's no one better than you. All we want is you. Would you pour out your spirit? There's a grace that's happening in our church recently, and um, some of you may be aware of it. Some of you won't. Um, You can have a seat, actually. I don't know how I'm doing this. I didn't plan this part too well Um, most most plasters plasters most I'm going to drink some coffee most pastors really um, figure out what they're going to how they're going to close their service and I always try not to I don't know what's going to happen but I I want you to know that um there's something neat happening in our church. I mean, some of you guys have been here for years, and um, there's a grace that's here. There's been a presence with our church recently, and it's been really wonderful. And so um, uh, we have a, another announcement that we're going to do next Sunday, and I think some of you guys are going to want to hear it. It's going to be pretty neat. I think it's going to change our church, and uh, you're going to want to come for it next Sunday. It's good. I'm terrified right now. All right, this is how we're going to close. So some people, um, they, don't, they don't care for the worship side of church. Um, they, don't, they don't care for the, the music. I get that. If you don't like the music, you know, I think Rachel sucks too. <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying to find another worship leader for years. I just can't. I just keep sticking around. Yeah, it's like, like an old stray cat. You just keep kicking her out. She just keeps coming back. Um, here's, um, here's what you need to know. Um, I'm going to read this to you, and when I read it yesterday, um, I read it again last night, I read it Monday of last week, and I read it last Wednesday, and every time I about came to tears, so I'm going to try not to, because I always get more emotional when I stand in front of you guys, but, um, can I, uh, I don't know how we do that last song, but we, 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 t- do we tinkle? Here we go. <laughs> Really professional here. Here we go. I'm going to read a few verses to you. It's in Revelations chapter 4. And I know some of you guys uh, don't necessarily like worship, but um, I don't, what makes me nervous is um, if, if you're not, this is something we really want to get good at if you love God. Uh, because heaven may be kind of awkward for you. 
standing in the corner like, this sucks. We doing anything else? Uh, we got another round coming around here, another, another century of worship here coming around, you know? Anyways, listen to this. I think it's really powerful, and um, I only know of two options for you, you know, so you don't like this one. You definitely ain't going to like the other one. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Here, check this out. This is uh, John. He's, he's old, and he's, um, he has a vision, and it's real powerful. He says, after this, I looked, <clears throat> and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. I don't want nothing more. Well, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and a voice that I had heard speaking to me was like a trumpet. It said, come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after this. And at once, I was in the Spirit. Not like you've ever been there, but sometimes at once, I was in the Spirit. At once, I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven. Someone was sitting on it. And the one who sat on it there had the appearance of jasper and a ruby. A rainbow shone around him like an emerald encircled the throne. He's saying like a jasper and like a ruby and like an emerald because he ain't, he ain't got words for it. He'll, he'll know. Can you imagine he's just sitting on a throne and it's just like Glory. I had heard this story one time about this woman that had a vision of heaven. She said when she, when, when, when she got in, it was like waves were hitting her. And the only way I can explain it is I said it just the other night. If, if you could close your eyes and see like sound waves, you know how you can like see a sound wave? Almost, you imagine waves of glory just hitting you and reminding you that this God is the champion of love. Everything that we've ever seen that's awesome, he made it for you. Sunsets were for me. Stars in the sky were for me. Waterfalls were for me. Beautiful trees and awesome animals, they're for me. God is good. Anyways, the one that sat on it had the appearance of a jasper and a ruby and a rainbow shone around him and circled the throne and surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders and they were dressed in white and they had crowns of gold on their heads and from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles and, per and, and, and peals of thunder. Can you imagine every time he speaks it just, just goes through you. Awesome. From his throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles of thunder, and in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And in the center and around the throne there were four living creatures. And they covered their eyes with front and back, and, and, the, and the first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third was like the face of a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. And each creature had six wings, and they covered their eyes all around and, and under its wings. It, they, day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. There's a verse in Ezekiel that said that these angels, 
they, they would cry out to one another, reminding each other that he is holy, that he is holy, that he is holy. It's almost like, yeah, uh, I, I, I always tell this story, Ezekiel chapter 6. It's like, hey, um, AJ, the, the lights are on. And you're like, yeah, the lights are on. And then he looks back at me and he goes, hey, Tim, the lights are on. Yeah, yeah. Hey, AJ, the lights are on. He looks back at me, hey, the lights are on. Because it, we can't stop the reality that there's, there's nothing else to talk about. He is holy. And we're reminding each other. And what's crazy is the church has forgotten this. this is a, he is everything but holy to us. And I don't know if you understand what holiness is. Holiness is, holy, holiness is nothing that you've ever experienced. It's unlike everything else in this world. It's absolutely pure. And day and night, these creatures, they keep saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. He's like no one else. He's holy forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. They won't stop saying it. Whenever the creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, they fall down to the ground and, and, and before him who sits and, 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 and they take their, 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 their crowns off their head and they lay them before the king. I love this, man. They're taking their crowns and they're laying it before him and they, and they say, you are worthy, O Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will, they were created and have their being. So the last thing I think you need to know about worship today. We have created a style, a fashion, a trend. But any God that can be fashioned or trended or styled is but a shadow of man. What we're doing is not our style. We are his style. So you can do this in any different song, language, tongue, tribe. I've been in buildings that didn't have roofs on them and didn't have sound systems, and we all sang out of key and clapped on, on, off beat, and it was absolutely powerful. I just want you to know that whether or not you realize it, one day we will worship. One day we will stand before Him. One day we will... Hear him speak like thunder. One day, every knee will bow. We're just going to go, oh, God. Oh, God. And it won't matter how long the song set is. It won't matter where we're going after. It won't matter what's it. Oh, that will be so, God. At least this is my belief. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes? You're here today. You may not be right with God. You may not be ready for that moment. But I want you to be. And the beautiful thing is, all you got to do is say, yes, Lord. And there's really nothing else to it. Like, he'll help you with the process. The process is going to be ugly and long and drawn out. And you're going to mess it all up again. And he's going to fix it. All you really got to do is say, yes, Lord. One day, every knee's going to bow regardless. So if you're here today and you ain't right with God, you got some things going on, well, you know he loves you. And all you really got to do is embrace that love and say, God, change me. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, will you raise your hand? 
Uh, awesome, 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 awesome. Is there anyone else? I sense shame right now and I don't want to. He ain't giving you that. You're his child. In the name of Jesus, I want you to know that you're loved. The blood of Jesus washes away all sin. Father, teach us how to love you. Teach us how to worship you, unbiased at what we like. We're going to play one last song, and I don't even care if you sit. I'm just going to do one song. And it's a song that is based on Scripture, and I think you'll love it. But I'm just asking if you'll sing this one song, regardless of whether you're at with God. If you'll open your heart to worship, then God can do something wonderful.